You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. There was immediate forgiveness. And this is really what this message is all about. God is so willing and ready to forgive us of our sins. The moment that David confessed his sin, he found the forgiveness of God. It was immediate. So listen, God help us to stop seeking to hide our sins, to justify our sins, that we might just confess our sins so that we might be forgiven. As Pastor Mike continues teaching through the book of 2 Samuel, you'll hear about a time when King David sinned and tried to cover it up, but David eventually repented and God forgave him. That forgiveness was immediate. It didn't come later like David's repentance. It was instant. And just like David, God is willing and ready to forgive you of your sin today, right now. So why keep living in the shame of your mistakes? You were never meant to live in the mess and pain of that. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12 as he continues his message, The Forgiving God. said when I kept silence, in other words, when he didn't confess his sin, he was trying to hide uh, his sin, uh, his guilt, my bones grew old. These were the things that was taking place within him. It was eating away at him like a cancer, the guilt. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, his sin was always before him. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. You know, God was trying to get him to that place to repent of his sin so that he could restore him. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And so that's the effect that sin and guilt has upon a person's life. That constant unsettledness plagued within David. There's no rest. There's no peace. As the Bible tells us, there's no peace for the wicked. There's just that guilt that we have to continue to deal with. David goes on to declare that God's heavy hand was upon him. That conviction. He was dried up inside. Spiritually, he was dead. He knew he was guilty. You know, it's also interesting to me that many times as a criminal is caught, let's say uh, he's practiced some crime time and time again, he's on the run, the law is looking for him, but when he's finally caught, there seems to be a great release. And many of those people who are on the run after uh, getting caught express themselves in this way. I'm glad because I'm tired of running. Listen, David knew that what he had done was absolutely wrong. 
It was gnawing away at him. Now, let's go back to our text. When Nathan, the prophet who we were first introduced to in that first verse that we read there from chapter 12, when Nathan comes upon uh, the scene, his friend came to him, he shared with David a story. And it has to do with this experience of David falling into this uh, sin. Let's pick up now in chapter 12, and let's read verses 1 through uh, 12. When the Lord sent Nathan to David, notice the Lord sent Nathan to David. And I don't know exactly how this whole thing worked out. Did God speak audibly to Nathan the prophet? I don't, you know, we're not given the details, but I find this curious, interesting, worth mentioning. Because again, you know, and this is the faithfulness of God, you know, trying to bring us to that place of repentance so that he can restore us, so that he can relieve us of that guilt, so that he can continue to do the work that he wants to do within each and every one of us. God is so faithful to do that. And, uh, you know, we get all embarrassed, we've gotten busted from our sin. You know, it's a good thing. That is, if we respond to it in the correct way. Well, anyway, then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, there were two men, this is the story, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought, and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Listen, this guy is the ultimate pet lover, right? I mean, think about it. And you know, if you have pets, you could probably relate to this. Your pet is like one of the members of your family, right? Well, anyway, in verse 4, he continues this story. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man, that is a meal, who had come to him. But rather he went to his next door neighbor, he took the poor man's lamb, the one ewe lamb, and prepared it for the man who had come to him. In other words, he stole from him, his neighbor. So David's anger was greatly aroused, and David had no clue up until this point that this story had everything to do with him and falling into the sin with this woman Bathsheba. So David's anger, verse 5, was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. Oh, David, you better watch what you're saying. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Now notice the way that Nathan responded. Then Nathan said to David, and I'm sure that David's jaw dropped, You are the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? to do evil in his sight. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. 
and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. David is shocked. David just got busted. Have you ever been in that situation before? You've been real good up until that point in hiding your sin, dealing with your guilt, but all of a sudden you get busted and you're standing there red in the face. You're absolutely embarrassed. Can you relate to this? Maybe to a lesser degree. I hope that none of us were guilty of committing murder of someone, but nevertheless, right? You could probably relate to this uh, in some form. So David is just shocked. He's just gotten busted. And it was then that David cried out, I have sinned against the Lord. Notice the response. I have sinned against the Lord. And so it's at that point where he stops trying to cover his tracks and he just openly confesses his sin. And I find this kind of interesting also. He was guilty on several different fronts of committing this sin, right? He committed adultery against Bathsheba, so that was the first sin. But then also the committing of the murder of her husband, Uriah, which was the more grievous of the sin. But nevertheless, David acknowledged and recognized that his sin was against God. So what do we take away from this? Well, all of the sins that we commit is against God. No matter you know, who it was that you hurt or that you injured in committing that sin, all sin is committed against God. So this is something that we need to take into account. And so notice David actually pronounced judgment against himself uh, there in verse 5, in that story that Nathan had just rehearsed to David, not realizing that this story had everything to do with him, and that man was actually him. He says, he shall be put to death. Notice there in verse 5. But notice also the prophet responded by saying in verse 13, Thou shalt not die. Now, notice upon David's confession, there was immediate forgiveness. And this is really what this message is all about. God is so willing and ready to forgive us of our sin. The moment that David confessed his sin, he found the forgiveness of God. It was immediate. So listen, God help us to stop seeking to hide our sins, to justify our sins, that we might just confess our sins so that we might be forgiven. You know, John offers up some great advice in his epistle in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So listen, that's what we need to do, and we need to do that immediately. Let me give you another cross-reference for this from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 55, in verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found, because your heart may become more hardened. And remember, David's sin initially compounded. It went from bad to worse. You know, so while you have the opportunity, while your heart is still right and tender, confess your sin. Don't continue to hide your sin. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. That's the only way that you can return to the Lord, by asking him to forgive you. Because remember, sin separates you from your God. And he will have mercy on him. That's the best news, isn't it? And he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. You see, the forgiveness can only come with the confession. 
And that opens the door for cleansing and restoration. And amazingly enough, God wants to forgive you of your sins, no matter what that sin may be. I mean, think about it, the taking of a man's life. And yet, in spite of that, God was so willing and ready to forgive David. Because why? Because God delights in mercy. And what a blessing when that heavy load of sin and guilt is lifted off of us. You know, I've got to tell you something from my own personal experience. When I fall into sin, you know, when I get angry with my wife or someone or I say something that I shouldn't say or do something that I shouldn't do, don't be surprised. I'm, you know, I'm human, right? The Bible tells us if we say that we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves. So we've all been there, right? You know, let's get real here. And, and you just feel so terrible about it. And I particularly feel, because I stand before people and encourage them not to sin, not to fall into temptation. How many times have I deal with that, with that you know, subject in our, in our studies and in sharing God's word with you? And listen, when I fall into sin, I, you know, it, just, it just gnaws away at me. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world could I, the pastor of the church, you know, fall into that sin? Maybe for some of us it's that reoccurring sin. And you know how badly you feel about that? You know that you knew better than that? And it seems to continue to plague you and vex you and it continues to stay with you? But after we confess our sin, that guilt is lifted. And it's such a blessing. That heavy load of sin is just taken away from us. You know, the 32nd Psalm, verses 1 and 2. The 32nd Psalm in verses 1 and 2. Blessed, or oh how happy, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is in no deceit. You know, it's that sense of cleansing and beginning all over again, right? It's like a new beginning, a new start. You just pick yourself up. Okay, so you've fallen, right, into sin. The guilt has been taken away from you. You pick yourself up. You know, you dust yourself off, and then you just go ahead and continue to walk with the Lord. And it's as if that sin never even took place before. It's sort of like a new beginning uh, for us. That sense of, I'm free. Oh, how happy. Because we've been restored to complete fellowship and communion with God once again. Now, it should also be noted that although God had forgiven David his sin and the penalty of sin, remember, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The point is, is there always is consequences to sin. Yes, God will forgive you of your sin, but remember, right? Whatsoever man sows, that also shall he reap. So you may be forgiven of your sin, your sin removed as far as the east is from the west, thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, but nevertheless, you're going to still have to pay the consequences. There's always consequences to sin. You can't get around it. You can't get away uh, from it. Sin still takes its toll. There was a price that David had to pay. Let's go back to our text. Notice there in verses 10 through 12. Nathan the prophet tells him that the sword will never depart from David. And as we continue to read on here in 2 Samuel and move into First and Second Kings, David spent the rest of his life at war. That was the consequences of sin. That was the judgment that was pronounced upon him by God. Absalom, even a member of his own family, David's son, Absalom, openly disgraced his uh, father. 
Remember, Absalom tried to remove David from the throne so that he might take his place. He sought to actually kill him, assassinate his own dad. In 2 Samuel, in chapter 16, we were told that Absalom went into David's concubines, his wives. He did it openly, disgracing David before the entire nation of Israel. So the judge, God made good on the judgment that was pronounced upon him. You see, the sin that David committed left its mark. It had taken its toll. But more than that, the greatest consequence of David's sin is recorded for us in verse 14. Let's go back to our text. In verse 14, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. To blaspheme who? To blaspheme God. Okay, so let's bring this down to personal terms. You've been telling everyone that you're a Christian. You've been encouraging other people to look into Christianity, to become a Christian, to follow the Lord, to become a disciple in the Lord. And you've been doing that for years. You've invested so much time and energy in sharing your faith and evangelism with other people, maybe at your place of employment, maybe uh, you know, reaching out and trying to convince someone that's a member of your immediate family you know, to, to invite Jesus to become their Lord and Savior. But now, because of your secret sin and you've gotten busted and people are openly are aware of it now, you know, what conclusions do they come to? You know, all of those years that you've been telling me that I should become a Christian, and look at you. Look what you've done. And it gives them an opportunity to blaspheme the name of the Lord. Oh, be careful to protect your testimony for Christ. You see, it's injured. It injured David's testimony. And it caused other people to blaspheme the name of uh, Jehovah. The name of God was drugged through the mud. And the work of God was mocked. But then also notice that wasn't all. Notice there in verse 14, after Bathsheba obviously had delivered the child, it was the son. Notice what we are told in the latter part of verse 14. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. And so that child, that Bathsheba born to David, actually passed away. So don't, what's the conclusion that we come to. Don't think you can sin without it taking a toll upon your life. It will leave its mark. You know, let's talk about some of the sins that men and women commit. And I'm not going to go through this long list, but, you know, as I was thinking about that, there are three biggies. You know, of all of the sins that we usually fall into, three biggies. What are those three biggies? Drugs, alcohol, and sex. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. And listen, if you involve yourself in these three biggie sins, it will take its toll upon you. You can't get away from it. It has consequences if you allow yourself to become involved in any of these three sins. It'll affect you either physically, it'll affect you emotionally, and surely it will affect you spiritually. Those are the consequences that we face when we fall into temptation and sin. And that's exactly why it's a fallacy to believe, well, you know, let's just go ahead and do it. I mean, God is a forgiving God. You know, he'll forgive you. All you need to do is, for, you, know, uh, you know, confess your sin and God will forgive you. Yes, he will, because God is a forgiving God. But nevertheless, you'll pay the consequences. It'll take its toll upon you. It leaves its mark. There are always consequences when we choose to sin. So the next time when you're presented with a temptation, an opportunity to sin, you know, make sure that this is a part of the equation. 
You know, just stop for a moment and think about that and weigh the decision that you're about to make. Remember, whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. This is just one of the universal laws of God. You can't get around it. You can't break that law and not suffer the consequences. But again, how important it is for us to confess our sins. Because you'll never hear those words, your sins are forgiven, you shall not die. So all we need to do is simply say, God, I am wrong. God, I have sinned. Notice in, let's go back quickly, in the 32nd Psalm, in verse 5, David said there, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my uh, sin. So there you have it. The moment in David's heart, there was a change. Before he could even express his thoughts, the forgiveness was there. Before he could even verbalize his confession of her sin. There was something that took place within his uh, heart, and the forgiveness was already there. So listen, God is so anxious to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us, that you might be in fellowship with him. And notice how quickly Nathan responded after David's confession, your sin isn't forgiven. And I like this, because Nathan didn't make David squirm, right? You know, when some people come, you know, you injured someone and you want to make things right. And so you go back to that person, whether it's, you know, someone in your sphere, you know, of your little group or maybe your wife or your husband, your spouse or your children or whoever. And uh, you say, you know, I did this thing and I'm really sorry that I did it. And, uh, you know, I feel really badly about it. And more times than not, that person will respond to making you squirm you know, making you really feel bad, even more bad that you've committed that sin. But that's not God. That's not in God's character. That's not a part of God's uh, nature, right? So, David, you sentenced yourself to death, but God is more gracious than you are. And Nathan proclaimed, you will not die. But David, there's a price that you're going to have to pay. It's going to hurt. But the main thing, your sin is cleansed, the guilt is gone, and you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then that opens the door for God to be able to once again do a work within your life and His plan of restoration. Now listen, I don't know what's going on in your lives, uh, but it may be time for some of us to get rid of our sin. You know, that heavy load that you've been carrying around with you. And the Lord has brought you here this morning so that you might just get free of those things. And you can leave as light as a feather. As light as a feather. Simply, you'll confess your sin before God. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online, just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com. 
and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You get directions and service times at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram too. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for